Hello and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we review and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. There's so many of them out there. What are they? What do they mean? What are they like? We're going to watch them all so you don't have to. I'm Chris Slatt and I'm here with some friends of mine. Uh, so guys, who are you and what right do you have to be here reviewing horror movies? I'm Steven Sonoris, and I'm a little bit of a horror snob. I think I read more of it than I watch these days. But um, as a casual Netflix viewer, I'm, I realize there's a lot of stuff out there I haven't seen that I'm very curious about that often ends up in my list. And I, I'm kind of on the fence about it. So I'm looking for an excuse to get back into just watching more horror movies, seeing what, what's going on out there these days. That's kind of where I am, too, because, you know, I consider myself a horror fan, but there's so much I haven't seen. And most of what comes out, um, I seem to have very little interest in. I like spooky stuff. I'm not sure I like horror you movies. You like to be spooked. We're going to find out. Uh, I'm Patrick Dunn. Uh I'm here because I, I love horror movies. Maybe not quite as much as Steven Snorris does. Not quite the, the, the snob level, perhaps. But, you know, I enjoy finding a good, weird horror movie on Netflix. I enjoy film in general. I've done some film criticism. Uh, You're a professional critic. I have been. You have been. No longer. No longer. Retired. Yeah, reformed. Yes, retired, but back, yeah. but back for one last yeah, job. Punished Venom film critic. Punished Venom film critic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to going through every horror movie on Netflix. Seriously, you're looking forward to going through every horror movie on Netflix. Like, I think this is going to be kind of a punishing journey. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be. I'm looking forward to hashtag horror. I'm I'm looking forward to the discovery, the process of discovery. But it's also you know a little bit like you know Lewis and Clark, Oregon Trail. Like I know that you know someone's going to die of diphtheria. We're going to get diseases. Yeah. And it's going to be rough, and we might lose fingers to frostbite. But at the end of the day, they're going to put our face on a fucking stamp. Dysentery is going to happen. Dysentery, not diphtheria. And there's one more person here. Who are you, quiet one? <laughs> Hello. Um, my name is Elizabeth Pierce, and I have absolutely no right to be here because I don't know anything about horror movies. I don't know anything about Netflix because I don't have it. Uh, and I really don't know anything about film, but I can approach everything with a very open mind, which I think is beneficial to this group of astute critics. But you're a librarian. Can I ask you, have you, have you seen a film before? I've seen some movies. I don't know if I've seen any films. So you know though. something. Yes, I know. Okay. I know a few okay. things. And I know. Do you I'm know a... what horror is? I, yeah, absolutely. Actually, I mean, you're here with us, so the reason you know why the I'm feeling. here is because I once saw The Ring and had nightmares for four years, and I decided to overcome that by participating in this podcast. And you and you're also a librarian so you know fiction at least. You you know the hero's journey. Oh yeah, you I could I could make time. some great literary analogies throughout this podcast when we're struggling for things to talk about. Well, we're all looking forward to that. So <laughs> so 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 the premise is, you know, we're on this quest of discovery and uh you know, we're warming up, so we're starting off our season with the classic not horror movie, but close enough. Uh, Spawn from 1997. Um, so, Steve, would you like to explain the movie Spawn for those who haven't seen it? I don't know that I can, but I will say this is more of a voyage of rediscovery for me because I did see this in theaters in 97. Wow. Um, I forced my mom to take me. She would not let me see it in the initial theatrical run, so I saw it at the Dollar Theater where um, I think the other screen was playing Titanic, which played for who knows how many weeks. You right? should have seen she Titanic and should have gone to see Titanic and left you to see Spawn. You know, we, we talked about this beforehand. She was horrified that I'm still thinking about this movie. I thought you were going to cut that it left you. <laughs> she should have gone to see Titanic and, and left, left you, you. In the parking lot of the movie theater. If I had a kid that wanted to see a movie, like the movie equivalent of Spawn now, I would leave him in a parking lot. I would in rather... A, in a car with the windows up on a 90 degree August day. I don't... I, listen, <laughs> listen, not, not to spoil our discussion, because we're going to try to have a fair and balanced discussion of Spawn, but I would rather be on the Titanic than watch Spawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'd like to try and uh, give our listeners a short summary of Spawn. Please, here. if you can yeah, make please. sense of this and give some context. So, how would you describe Spawn? So Elizabeth? Spawn is fundamentally a movie about a ill-fated soldier who, in fact, makes an ill-fated deal with the devil, which is portrayed by a basically unmoving 
uh, animated character referred oh, to as Malboja. And uh, he then goes on a series of journeys accompanied by the devil's sidekick, which is a disgusting, horrifying clown, which we will also get into later. Played by John Leguizamo. Johnny Legs. Uh, he goes on a series of journeys to, at first, participate in the devil's deal in order to save his beloved wife, who in... Wanda. The, Wanda. Wanda. Who in the years that he's been gone has married and had a child with someone else. And then to fundamentally be a good person, he participates in the devil's deal. And um, he has a cape. He is burned to a crisp and is horrifying to look at throughout the movie. When he's not in his costume. His costume is admirable. There is various... He's, he's, a, he's a beautiful man when he's in his costume. When he's in his costume, it's lovely. Uh, there Before is a he lot gets of... burned, he's a very... Michael Jai White is, like, hot, right? Does anybody agree with me on this? Yeah, I did, like... like he's a yeah. beautiful I'll get man. down on that. I'll yeah. get down on that. There's nothing wrong with Michael Jai White, but after he gets <laughs> burned, he looks like an Arby's roast beef sandwich. <laughs> which, anyone, which is a problem for anybody. And... Um, other than Chris. There's a lot of gothic imagery, which is great. There's some other there's a lot of other things which are not great. And uh, I would say that we can begin talking about the movie from there. <laughs> if anyone has anything to add, I welcome that. Um, I think that was a pretty no, succinct description because this movie there's a lot going on. That was very thorough. So so the guy he's a, like a sol- he's like a soldier of fortune. He's like a private contractor or something or I don't know. Do they explain he's that? A, he's like a he's private the, he's Navy the, SEAL. He's the world's deadliest killer but also for some reason has some sort of moral issue with all the people he's killed at some point it's revealed that he is is very uh, you know distraught about how many people he's killed. He's, he's, 1997. he's 1997 Jason Bourne with a memory. But he doesn't know. He doesn't know at the beginning. Like he's sent on a mission and he doesn't know that he's been sent to like wipe out a civilian plane or something. And then he's like, "You sent me to wipe out a civilian plane." And his commanding officer, who is Martin Sheen of all people, um, is like, ah, "It's for the greater good." Martin Sheen, like, consisting solely on scenery. Like, he is just eating scenery throughout this entire Well, movie. I think that brings us to one of the early issues in the movie, which is that no one really understands how the soldier doesn't know what he's doing and also how he gets into the situations that he gets into, right? But it's also kind of irrelevant because he gets he gets double-crossed, he gets set on fire. I guess he's got some, some death on his conscience, but I don't think it's... I don't know. This this movie has bigger questions that than like how did he get into North Korea? <laughs> right. Um, so well, I, let's begin at the beginning. I mean, I think I'm the only one here who had actually seen this film before. Am I right? Nobody else had seen this. I had prior? seen twenty minutes. You seen of twenty it. minutes? <laughs> I mean, from like right out the gate, this is a batshit movie. I mean, the opening credits. Oh yes. Are oh God. How did I forget? Just yes, the, we need to talk the, about that. The cold open with the narration, which you guys have seen it more recently than I have. Yeah. Um, it, it really did feel to me like the beginning of a 90s arcade game. Like it, just, I felt mm. like it should have ended with something like, and your mission is. Like I felt <laughs> like it was directed at me. Like I had a controller in my hand and I was playing this movie as a video game. It was absurd. See, I really appreciated the opening because it felt like a comic book. It felt like that opening narration, those opening panels of a comic book that are super exposition heavy. And I love that. I also love the opening sequence, which is bad shit like the titles the text effects are just insane it looks like a, a fucking like crack you're just on crack for that opening. well it looks like a windows 96 screensaver which on crack i have a fondness for so i didn't windows have any complaints 98 for 98 yeah. 97 96 96 yeah, so, windows 1885 and i was hoping like i was into it through all that because it's the the narration at the beginning is so over the top i forget the mythology but it's like every six millennia satan's Sends builds an army and needs a badass to lead this army. Oh, is that true? Did they say that at the beginning? I, no, but it's it's something like that. In, in so many words. Chris, did you narrate Spawn? I wish, but it's. I thought that it was maybe going to be like a tongue-in-cheek sort of movie or have a have a camp value where it's like, okay, it's God, over the top and that's the point. I think it did a little. That's the grand question. I, I feel like I feel like we need to address that a little later. We'll, on. we'll address I think it later. That's the grand question right, is how how seriously it takes itself. We'll come back to that. But I do love that opening sequence and just how batshit it is. It's just the names of the creative team are just flying down a fucking a portal fiery to portal to hell and just having this like crack like spaz attack 
on their way down. It's just I visually love it. The soundtrack is really crazy. I mean, yeah. there's stuff on the CD that's on the movie, but it's a blend of like new metal bands and electronic artists. And I mean, at some point we should pull up the soundtrack because I don't remember the name of a single person involved. This is very kind of chaotic. Let me see if I can almost, pull that up. almost like psychedelic music via new metal in the late 90s. I was going to say psychedelic is maybe being too kind to it, but perhaps we should get into I mean, the actual was, plot. It was, yeah. it was visual and auditory. The opening the sequence is worth watching, I'll say that. Just um, for, for novelty purposes. Spawn the album. Okay, here it is. Uh, Marilyn Manson features uh, Korn shows up, Butthole Surfers, Metallica. Um, a lot of recognizable names on here, you guys. Henry Rollins, who you would think might be better than this movie. Incubus shows up, Slayer. Yeah, so some big names of. But you know, every. New that sounds like a great album. Yeah. Every one of those artists pairs Although, with. Unfortunately, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but every one of those artists pairs with an electronic producer for their song. So it's uh, like. Yeah, I was just looking at recognizable names, but you're right. There is an, an ampersand. It's like Henry Rollins name. with The Orb and, or something. And Goldie. <laughs> but let's, okay, not well, anyway. pretend, let's not pretend that like 90s. Metallica and DJ Spooky. 90s like horror movie or not 90s uh superhero movie soundtracks don't necessarily relate to the movie in any way when i was in True. like 10th grade i won at the fair a copy of the daredevil album oh fun and it was great oh. evanescence for weeks <laughs> But where did it where did it get us with the movie? Oh man, the original Spider-Man soundtrack. There goes my hero. I forget who did that. I it need was terrible. a hero can save us. It's Chad Kroger, best. Oh, known, that's right. No, best I just, known. I just sang the wrong. You song. sang the wrong song, but that was Chad Kroger, and it was another best, hero best song. known for his uh, ill-fated marriage to my hero and my sweetheart, Avril Lavigne. Your hero wins. But we are way off topic. Yeah. Let's get back to Spawn. Please. Now, now I, I've been itching to just open the field to this question because... Oh, yes. Please do. Because in my mind, any discussion of Spawn the movie begins and ends with John Leguizamo's fucking clown. And how did we feel about it? Mm. I'm not going to say him. Well, I felt like this entire <laughs> movie was kind of like being locked in a dumpster for 90 minutes. Yeah. While I was starving and like, it simply had to rely on what, what was available. Were you so starving that the maggot? It was disgusting. You? Apparently, those are real maggots. Some of them I are real. That. I, I don't know. That's what I read. And I think it's a great performance. I feel like he does disappear into that role. The problem is in the character and the writing for the character. But I think Johnny Legs, um, good friend of ours, does a really good job with it. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing because. I hated every second that that fucking thing was on screen. But also, I felt like I was very deliberately supposed to hate it. And so, in that regard, it was a success. Like, they did what they were trying to do. Do I agree with their intentions? Do I think it was moral? (laughs) No. But I can't say it didn't work. So, I had... So, (laughs) the clown was actually probably one of my favorite parts of Spawn because I was so repulsed and so horrified and I had this like visceral reaction that I've never had to any movie character before and I had to like look away from the screen multiple times I could not stand to like watch him when they zoomed in on his mouth and those teeth and when he was like you know farting the green gas which also let me just say was never explained I it was horrifying and I had to look away and I thought this is amazing acting. This is amazing. This is an amazing character and I hate him. And that's my opinion. I feel like I, I have two key things to say about the clown, the clown, the vindicator, Johnny legs, however we want to violate him. Violator. The violator. Vindicator I'm sorry. One of his violator. brothers. He has five brothers, and that's one of them. But no, it's violator. Is that true? We've got a little, bit of, yeah, got a little bit of Spawn right. lore. Tune in next week for Steve Sonoris's Spawn. <laughs> I mean, I grew mythology. up on this shit, but I didn't read the comics. I just saw the animated series and had the toys. Anyway. Okay. So I feel like first we need to describe this clown a little bit because we're talking a lot about the clown, and we haven't. We really got to set this clown up for people who haven't seen this movie. Contextualized, yes. Yeah. I really don't want to think about this clown right now. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> we're here. We gotta. Elizabeth, do you want to try and describe the clown, like just his what he looks like? Because you responded so viscerally to him, and I feel like you're you're gonna do him full justice or injustice, perhaps. Well, I'll probably do him. I'll probably do him injustice. He is a small, morbidly obese. 
character that is filthy, has pseudo clown hair, you know, the two sticking out the side and one up top. He has this garish clown makeup, which is bright blue. He has literally four times as many teeth as he should, which are all narrow and green and mossy. And he is aggressively disgusting in any way that you can imagine. Let me Give pre- us an example of a couple disgusting things Okay, he does. Two, two, two that come to mind is, which, you know, I will say, I watched this movie with Patrick and he laughed at this joke, but he opens up a pizza box. There's one piece of pizza left. It's covered with maggots. And he goes, oh, this is disgusting. And the audience is like, yes, this is disgusting. And he goes... I hate anchovies. And he picks an anchovy off the pizza and just consumes the maggots. Yeah, that, that's, 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 the that's the best example archetype I can of the clown scene. I laughed at that kind of the way that I laughed when we watched Spawn and they were chopping up the dead pigs and that you have to do Saw. something. Oh, Spawn. <laughs> Saw. Yeah, when we watched Saw 3 and they were chopping up the Side dead note, pigs. Side note, there are no dead pigs in Spawn. Yeah, that was the one gross thing they didn't manage to show. It would have really put me over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, but the, I think the most important thing to understand about the clown is, first of all, he has a narrative function, right? So it's like basically, so Spawn is a badass killer. He he dies. He goes to hell. He's in hell for like five years. Then he comes back with no memory of his time in hell as like an undead badass. And basically, the devil's trying to use him to recruit an army or lead an army to like take over the world and his basically the clown is his handler but it's also martin sheen's handler martin sheen again the head of like the the he's the head of the cia actually it's it's no a6 it's like a it's like a stand-in for the cia it's a stand for the cia and it's a little ambiguous whether it's public or private sector so i don't know if our tax dollars are supporting (laughs) it but the fucking clown is in almost every scene of this movie He's in a scale. No, I think it's a Hannibal Lecter effect. You feel like he's in every scene of the movie. No, I want to count, I wanna count how many, he's in how many minutes scene. he's actually in. It, at least Bet like... Bet you he's in 17 minutes, just like Hannibal Lecter. In no, it, no, he is an overwhelming presence. He's Yeah, but so is Hannibal Lecter, and he's only in 17 minutes of the Silence that's of a, the Lambs. That's a good academic point okay, about Silence well. of the Lambs, but the clown is We'll be not. discussing that when we get to S. The clown <laughs> does appear more frequently than I think is warranted. It doesn't help that every single one of his lines is a one-liner. I mean, I think if I were to watch it again, I would find and that to be such true. A horrifying every single one-liner. line like is exposition disguised as a one-liner. It's just and 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 what stuck out to me is there's you know these like dated 1990s jokes it's like almost like watching Aladdin but like those the genie's jokes still hold up but this clown is like you're so messed up the whole cast of ER couldn't put you back together <laughs> no it's it's absolutely ridiculous i mean the one that stood out to me is he at the very end of the movie hopefully this isn't a spoiler there is a loose head and he refers to like the main woman of the movie and he goes hey want to get some head and there's this like long pause and it's just that was that was uncomfortable okay here's my point on 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 the clown though is that i feel like this movie is perfectly keyed it's a secret success it's perfectly keyed to appeal to like the target audience of spawn at the time this movie came out which was basically dumb teenage boys as i watched the clown the violator, whatever the fuck you want to call him, I was like, okay, who is this geared to appeal to? These terrible jokes, these, you know, gas bag jokes. Everybody's, for our listener out there, everybody is giving me super skeptical looks right now. No, 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 it wasn't about you. Oh. (laughs) What was it about? Don't worry about it. Continue. All right, so the violator. (laughs) Did somebody actually fart in real life? Is that what's just happened? Um, but it's perfectly keyed to that teenage boy sense of humor. The clown is ostensibly the hero of this movie. Like, you are supposed to identify with and enjoy the clown. The clown is not the hero of this movie. I think he the clown absolutely is. is the focal point of the movie. Like, I feel like if this movie, it was marketed toward teens. McFarlane wanted an R rating, but had to settle, go to a different studio. We, we definitely have to contextualize who McFarlane is at some point. I, I don't but, know. But continue, 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 continue though. Comics. We'll get into that. Yeah. It was marketed toward teens. It's a PG-13 movie, surprisingly. Um, but what I want to hear is how you responded to this when you were fucking six years old or whatever. How did What did you think about this movie? I thought it how, was... Okay, how old were you? Uh, so, 1997, I would have been... 
Ten. Nine. Nine. Nine years old. Nine years old. Well, we'll say maybe. I don't know. I don't know what month it came out. I think it was like late '97. So I probably saw whatever you were fucking nine or early. What did you think? I thought it was terrible. I thought it was forty-six. Um. I, I thought it was really obnoxious. I did not enjoy the clown. I did not think his jokes were funny. I felt like it was talking down to me as a kid. Um, but I probably wasn't the target audience. Yeah, you were a child of unusual intelligence. But you enjoyed the Spawn comics, Steven, right? Steven, you were a prodigy. You were, you were a prodigy. And here you were, I am. You were a prodigy. Uh, <laughs> did, did you enjoy the Spawn comics, though? You were a I've never read Spawn. the Spawn comics. Oh. So what was your interest in this movie? Um, so my best when friend you were 10 was years a Spawn old. fan. And so like I was familiar with the toys. I'd like seen the comics. The animated series had been out at this point. So I'd seen a little bit of that. Um, mostly it was the mystique of it. It was like, this is a dark, gritty superhero. It just felt like something that like a kid like me who likes horror movies mm. would be into. More so than the Batman movies, which had become sort of homoerotic parodies of Batman at that point. By that time. But yeah. you were... Um, well, what I remember from the era, from being approximately the same age, like, I remember seeing Spawn, so much Spawn shit. Like, it, I feel like it had a big, maybe it was just the, the stores I was going to, but like, I remember seeing, they had like a dozen Spawn action figures. I'd be like, where's the Star Wars action figures? And they'd be like at the bottom <laughs> of the shelf under like 12 action figures of the clown slash violator. Like... Like yeah. I remembered that clown in the movie from seeing the action figure in like all these stores and stuff. Like it was, I don't know, it was a big deal. And McFarlane Toys, the creator of Spawn, had his like own toy line that probably came out around the same time. Hmm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, so those of you who remember this, I mean, how was the movie received when it came out? Oh, terribly. I think Ebert was. I mean, as far as I've looked at reviews, um, sort of retrospectively, I think Ebert was really the only critic who liked it, and he gave it three and a half out of four stars. <laughs> which I think is worth considering. I think here. Todd McFarlane bought him off. Like, there's no other way to make sense of it. There's no other way. He to make gave sense a of it. boatload of action figures. <laughs> but he did like his action figures. I, I, I was uh, too right. young to to be aware of the the zeitgeist at the time no but I mean this movie is just the ultimate fan service and it it hit me at the point when uh, the violator the clown suddenly transforms into this weird ass like the violator the violator he transforms from the clown into the violator inexplicably and I don't know the comics mythology so I think it's worth noting here that this clown character who has been horrifying and disgusting and like an obese sidekick to the devil throughout this movie suddenly becomes the violator. Which was what I was just explaining. He, well, I, he becomes no, this he horrifying... He is the violator. The clown is his, like, earthly persona. Okay. Yes. Which okay. makes no sense because he stands out just as much as the clown as he would as the violator. Oh, it's not like a, <laughs> he's not, like, he's not blending in. Human was, beings just are not shaped that way. <laughs> but before... Okay, so my point, though, is that before he transforms from the clown into his actual demon shape, this horrifying demon creature, he goes... Not the victimizer, not the vindicator, but the violator. And no one cares about that. You know, who cares if you're the victimizer or the vindicator? It's fan service. That's fan service. That is like the purest fan service possible. Also, he says the vibrator at one point. In substitute of one of the other one's names, he says the vibrator, which I feel like was like Johnny Legs ad-libbing. I remember that. that. I remember that. (laughs) Now, I don't don't know if it's in the same thing, but I do remember because I was like, that's a weird joke for this moment. Um... I was, I was really feeling it, and then he said vibrator, and he just totally turned me off. So, I mean, the interesting thing that comes out of this whole discussion, we've talked about the clown slash violator for, I don't know how long at this point, but the interesting kind of point that lies beneath this is what a non-presence Spawn himself is in this movie. We haven't talked about Spawn. We haven't really talked about Martin Sheen. <laughs> and we have not talked would, about the devil himself. I would, well, I feel like that's best saved for that's, the, that's the, saved the last thing Malavolja is our... <laughs> but so let's the, talk about the Spawn. The pièce de résistance. So, so talking about, are you talking ahead, about Martin talk, Sheen? No, talk about Spawn, please. It's called Spawn. Why haven't we mentioned uh, him? So, yeah. Let's so, talk about some CGI. <laughs> So I actually don't have a I one of the most common things to complain about with movies is the acting, right? And I don't have a lot of complaints with Spawn's acting. I thought he was fine. Narrowly focusing that issue on Spawn, I agree. Michael Jai White, fine. fine. 
he does enough. I mean, for most of the movie, it's kind of baffling. He, we know Sp- Spawn is like such an iconic image. I mean, there's even like a sort of Spawn logo that people have like buttons of. Yeah, he's not wearing a mask for most of the movie. He's got that charred Arby's melt face, which is pretty horrifying to see. Which is horrifying to see, but also probably pretty difficult to act through. And I feel like yeah. he does right. he does a better job than like anybody in a Batman costume delivering his lines. Like, I, I feel like he's perfectly fine. And you know, in the same voice. He has some material to work Very with simple. because one of the only things I actually genuinely cared about in this movie, if I can, I mean, cared, it's, it wasn't like, you know, it didn't stir me like Titanic. Cared is a generous term. It's a generous term. Here. But... Um, so, you know, he's been in hell for five years, and when he comes back, his wife is married to, like, his, like, colleague from the mercenary company, and they have a five-year-old daughter, and this guy... Cyan, loves- which is a great name for a child. Yeah, Cyan. <laughs> That's actually the name of... So, interjecting quickly here, Todd McFarlane's real wife is named Wanda... And his daughter is Cyan. Oh, so weird. It's very autobiographical. He named weird. them after the Spawn characters. That seems like something <laughs> I would be offended by. He was on a quest to meet a woman named Wanda. A black woman named Wanda. Wanda. <laughs> oh. um, we need a quick insert cut of like Wanda's face, because that's what this movie does us does to us every time that Wanda's name comes up, just to remind us that that's who that character and is. And there's all these Because she's such a vague misses. cipher otherwise. Yeah, so he like... Anyways, yeah. He so, really loves this little girl because... It it's his you know, child. Like, it's not his child, though. It's not his child. Oh, no. right. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's, yes, it's no. his buddy's child with his wife, but yeah. because it's his wife's daughter, he feels like it's his child, and yeah. he loves his child, and he also loves his wife, but he gets keeps getting all this alone time with the child and not with the wife. You would think he would be able to be like, yo, Wanda, it's me. I love you. Look pet through the roast beef face. Your favorite color is, you know, cyan. <laughs> and she would come back to him. But that never happens until, like, the end of the movie. She finally realizes who Spawn is. Does she yeah. realize it at the end of the movie? I may have just made that up. You just, you just wanted that emotional <laughs> arc. You wanted it <laughs> to happen. Let's draw back from it, because I feel like we are getting a bit off track as far as what we really want to impart to the listener when it comes to this movie is... What is the flavor of this movie? We've talked about what it's about. Um, we're getting into sort of the the emotional core of the narrative. We haven't talked about Spawn quite enough yet, though. We have to come back to Spawn himself, but continue. Well, I just want to say... There's this a lot is a, to say about Spawn. This is a movie that it's it's really... um, It's really griefy. You know what I mean? Like, it's really, like... <laughs> it's like So much of this movie is, a, is about, like, a very human story. It's about a guy who does something he regrets and sells his soul to the devil to get his wife back. And Relatable. so much of the movie focuses yeah, we've on all him been like, there. trying to do that. Because that's, yeah, that is another point that I'm not sure we've talked about. Like, because basically they're like, you can have your wife back if you like lead Hell's army. And he's like, I'll do anything. And that's the extent of that character I think the point. core of this that's movie, it's very comic booky, it's very simplistic, but it is like, it has the potential to be a very emotionally powerful story for the medium. Yes. I think at the core, what we've just been talking about for the past five minutes or so, but kind of works. But then the movie continues. There's a good movie in there somewhere, yeah. Here's an interesting thing that hit me about the whole character of Spawn. This is more on the writing. But uh, Spawn, uh, what's his name? Al Simmons. Al Simmons, yeah. Based on a real guy, too. (laughs) <laughs> also, really? I'm not. I'm not fucking kidding. It sounds like I'm oh, just making shit. this up at this point. Al Simmons, I did the slight detour. Military this hero. Is, this is really actually kind of interesting. Wow. Al Simmons, I think, went to grade school, middle school with Todd McFarlane. He is black. They grew up in somewhere in Canada. Wow. Um, they played sports together. After Spawn became a comic sensation, Todd McFarlane got tired of touring around the country doing like the Spawn rep shit because obviously he has this multimedia empire he's making action figures but he can't be everywhere at once he's not Santa Claus so he <laughs> hires the real Al Simmons to play Spawn at Comic Cons oh wow and he wow. like drove around the country in a van or a truck and he was like the face of Spawn before the movie came out so it's Spawn based on a true story essentially yeah as far as I can tell so anyways the thing that hit me that was so weird about uh, th- this character in the movie is that you know obviously he undergoes a lot of emotional trauma in the first half hour to forty five minutes of the movie and also and, physical trauma. Yes, true physical trauma, absolutely. Um, and and the performance 
fits that sort of trauma. You know, Michael J. White is very traumatized. But then all of a sudden, there's this pivot point where all of a sudden, I think it's when he first realizes that his necro flesh, his like his hell armor, can repel bullets for the first time, and he just like damn all of a sudden he becomes like this kind of comical character who reacts in very funny ways to realizing his powers for the first time and it's like wait when did we pivot from i'm horrified by this thing that's happened to me to i'm comical character yeah, responding to my powers for the first here's time black exploitation like the way that True. he delivers those lines is like it really almost feels like like some kind of comedic pandering. It was really yeah. uncomfortable for me. Yeah. yeah, I remember that that scene in particular you're talking about. Yeah, that it's damn, odd. it's uh, it's a little weird. Well, I think that there's a a key point that we're missing here, which is, all right, for the listeners that um, listener listener for for you out there hello this is our first episode that's why we're saying that i know that you're listening to this after we're already a huge international success <laughs> so uh spawn before he was spawn participates in a like intense break into a north korea weapons factory where he gets betrayed by his boss mm-hmm. who sets him on fire and burns him to a crisp and his dominatrix co-worker the bosses dominate. There's so and much to talk unpack. about her outfits later. There's yeah. so much so I just, to unpack. I just feel like we need to explain that the reason why we keep referring to him as roast beef and, you know, that sort of thing, bacon, is because he is burned to a crisp by his core. After Martin Sheen squirts green jizz all over him, which is apparently And then flicks flammable. like a clove cigarette on <laughs> Right, yes. right. So he is horrifying for the rest of the movie and looking to get revenge on his former boss, Martin Sheen, who squirts him with green goo. He basically shoots that Nickelodeon. What's the Nickelodeon? That, Gak. Yeah, Gak. He basically shoots Gak all over Spawn no, like, and then lights it on fire. No, that's good when you, like, get, like, when you get, like, when you win things at the Nickelodeon, like, teen party and you get gooed. Yeah. It's not always a good thing, Elizabeth. It's not a good thing in Spawn, for sure. Well, in Spawn, it's bad. But anyway, I just felt like we need to explain that instead of just referring to Spawn as Brooks Sure. Beef. Well, while we're on the topic, can we talk about Martin Sheen? Martin Sheen again is is the you know commanding officer of Spawn's mercenary group, and it's just so I, I'm trying to unpack Martin Sheen. So this was 1997. I don't know what Martin Sheen was doing at the time, and I don't know if he's in on the joke or not in this movie. What do you think? As far as I know, um, what I, what I've heard is that he wanted to do a superhero movie. That was it. Like any superhero. And, this movie. one came along. I watched the documentary earlier today briefly, like. Tw- 10 minutes of it about the making of this movie and apparently he took the job and started reading Spawn comics or he didn't take the job he was reading Spawn comics in preparation for the role and his kid was like oh Spawn is the most important comic book in the world right now so then he decided okay I'm signing on he does not seem invested at all I, he did not register for me. That He could have been played by anyone, really, that character. Oh, I disagree. He was so over the top. He like seemed to be playing with a constant smirk and kind of a wink to the camera to me. I, I enjoyed him. I I think the only way we have interpreted it that way is just because we're giving Martin Sheen benefit of the doubt. Probably. For yeah, being I, I, may, I may give Martin Sheen too much credit, but I feel like Martin Sheen was like condescendingly in the movie. So that's why I don't know enough about Martin Sheen's career to know what else he was doing to kind of like if his like you know if this was like pre-West Wing and like his career was like in the dumps and he was doing a lot of movies like this then He was just raising baby Charlie and, or no actually Charlie was probably I don't know Charlie would have been Charlie like was old 30, enough to be reading 40. Spawn comics like Char- 30 or 40 Well he was in Wall Street in the 80s God how old is Charlie? Charlie's old dude Fuck Okay, never mind. Yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. I mean, you know how old you were in 1997 when this movie came out. Think about how old Charlie Sheen was. He was not a baby reading comic books. <laughs> yeah, he was probably my dad's age. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so I guess we'll just leave that as an open question. It's just a conundrum. And you know what? If you're looking for a reason to watch Spawn, maybe Martin Sheen and unpacking his performance is the reason you're looking for. Oh. Now Martin. I don't know about that. <laughs> now it's as good a reason as any. The other reason you might want to watch Spawn is if you like fetish outfits, because Martin Sheen's sidekick. Oh, hell yeah. How would you describe Martin Sheen's sound uh, sidekick? Okay, well, side note for OC fans, she is the mother uh, of Rachel in the OC. In real life or in the show? In the show. So, <laughs> shouts out. A great role. Uh, potentially in real life, too. I don't know. But definitely in the show. And uh, her Potentially also Rachel's mother is what you're suggesting. 
like biological mother rachel bilson yes okay uh her outfits are fantastic they are made purely of leather and uh cubic zirconium Oh yeah, they're kind of like bedazzled with yeah. Cubic yeah, the one when that she like dies in is that, like I thought, I thought it was sequins, but what's cubic zirconium? That's like diamonds, fake, like diamonds. fake diamonds. Yeah, yeah, I just thought they were sequins. No, and her role is only to like look sassily at the camera while agreeing with Martin Sheen, which I think is a great role for anyone to play. I would like and to play that role. And dual wielding machine guns and seemingly but, firing it with no target. But with no mind. target. Yeah. Like firing it into the ceiling and then dying immediately. If, if I had to use adjectives to describe her, I would say sultry and subservient. There's definitely like kind of a... There's sassy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say subservient. Sassy? Hmm. I mean, oh, she's, you're right. She's subservient only to Martin Sheen. Yeah, she does throw a little bit of sass at some supporting characters, I think, at one point. But also, yeah. she's also, to my memory... Al Simmons. She gives Al Simmons a lot of shit. For all the people, you know... She casts considerable shade on Al Simmons. For the amount of badassery that Al Simmons, a.k.a. Spawn, has in this movie, she's the only character character not like a random soldier who just gets murked by spawn in the entire yeah, movie yeah that was really kind of shocking well, to me honestly i mean he literally just like blasts a woman in the chest like unloads, double machine gun unloads right and she falls in the on the table and i was like okay maybe she has a bulletproof vest but no she no. dies she well, he just dies. kills a he woman he just murders that's her. like his first kill it's nasty. Well, he shoots up the whole place before that. Which makes me say, you know, the devil picked a good one. And then she's the cherry on top. He's, the devil did pick a, a good one. Yeah, that's cherry the perfect guy to save the Satan. Perfect. Yeah, serve the Satan. Serve Satan. <laughs> but I, all around Unfortunately, I would say a loss for the movie because she was one of the better characters. What? Come on now. Oh, man. She was like one dimensional at best. She was like a pair of tits and a haircut. She was one dimensional at best, half dimensional. <laughs> Great characters. In the, the characters in the movie. Did you say a pair of tits and a haircut. Haircut. Let me. Let, okay. okay, I she do remember fine. her. Hair. She's negligible. Moving on. Let me rank. Let me rank these the characters in this movie. Cyan is the best character in this movie. <laughs> Actually, I think I might agree. Cyan's the best character in this movie. Oh no, we still haven't gotten to the best character. Followed in this by movie. clown. Followed by Spawn, followed by the rest of them way in the pile at the okay, bottom. Okay, there's still a few characters we haven't discussed, though. Can we uh, right, Can we yeah. get to Coleostro? Okay. Is he, like, on in, in, the, in the plan Patrick here? Wants, Patrick wants about? to talk about Coleostro, quote-unquote Coleostro. Quote. Do they even unquote. say his name in the... Coleostro's name is said repeatedly. He is literally yeah. the opening narration. He's Spawn's spirit guide. He's the good spirit guide. Oh, and guide. the closing narration and, like, the second act narration. He's all over this movie. He's Obi-Wan he and yeah. Jesus. Exactly. Combined. And yeah. King Arthur. And yet you don't really know who the fuck he is. He literally does the opening narration. He even explains to you who he is. But I was confused about who he was for a long time because it's still terrible writing. They give you exposition about this character right up front, but it's still like it takes maybe a half hour of the movie for him to finally go, oh, yes, I also followed the same path, except I'm a knight from the Crusades from 500 years ago or something See, like that. See, that was one of the less confusing parts of the movie to me. Really? Yeah. Then they're all fucking, he's like a fucking homeless guy. They're living in a fucking alley. That's something else we should mention. Like, a lot of superheroes have, like, a fucking hideout. Like, Batman has a bat cave. Spawn, Iron Man has a Iron complex. Man has, like, a skyscraper and a Malibu hotel, Malibu mansion. Uh, but Spawn lives in a fucking alley. And, like, he literally is, like, saving, like, kids from, like, picking the trash and getting hit by their dad and stuff. And that alley has incredible production design. But only from, like... The, the 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 wide view you see this incredible like blue tinted cathedral that's beautifully designed it looks like something from the original like Tim Burton Batman movie but then you get down to the actual alley and it's like sepia tinged it looks fucking terrible it looks like every other alley but yeah. it has this grandiose design from the sky yeah so I mean that's that's something else maybe we should get into um if we're... oh and that kid the kid do you guys remember the scene where the kid's dad is berating him for not eating the green food coloring yeah, guy's right. sandwich? He's like, eat your vegetables. It's basically the scene where it's just like a classic, like, eat your dinner, kid. But it's just this nasty sandwich yeah, from the garbage. Yeah, because they're all they're eating out of the trash. You're too good for this dyed sandwich. They're all eating out of the trash. Which is like, you know, if Spawn was the ultimate badass and you see him, like, single-handedly take on the SWAT team, at least once in this movie... 
he could just like fucking raid up Kroger and you know <laughs> bring some real food to the neighborhood. Get the kids some Lunchables. Get the kids. Some, yeah, in 1997, that kid would shit his pants for some Lunchables. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, if we're talking about things that look shitty, how about this whole movie? Because that was actually something I noticed from the very first minute. The whole movie looked bad. Why did? Why is that, Steve? I feel like you have some insight. I have a little bit of insight. I mean, I also wonder, like, what version of the film we were seeing. It was on Netflix. We talked about this. Like, I feel like it might have been, like, cropped or something. Something seemed very off. Like, all of the shots seemed very bizarrely framed to me. It yes. seemed like it, it, it might have been an issue of whatever was delivered to Netflix was but yeah it looks awful I mean like the, the director worked uh, he's a special effects guy Mark Depay Mark uh, A-Z Depay A-Z Depay uh, who had worked on the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park he worked like on like those better <laughs> he worked on The Abyss uh, like that better. He worked on T2. And this like was that, his that. directorial <laughs> debut. And it, this movie just feels so incoherent. And I think one of the reasons for this is it started at a, a big but I think modest budget for a superhero movie, like $35 million. They did a test screening, and it went so well. Normally, I would think when a test screening goes well, you think, oh, this movie's done. They decided to increase from something like 70 visual effects shots to 400. Mm-hmm. You know because, what? Yeah. Wow. Because the test audiences like loved it so much, they thought, oh, well, then we need more of more and of that. The, more. the 70 were probably the only visual effects shots that worked. You know, it's funny because you know, I actually, luck would have it, I watched half of Jurassic Park immediately before I watched Spawn. So Luck would have it. As luck would have it. <laughs> so it's, it's weird because like all the other movies you mentioned, Jurassic Park, The Abyss, T2... They are movies that are very aware of the limitations of the special effects in their mm-hmm. age, and they work around them very, very, very effectively. This movie, it seemed like it's nineteen. They figured it's nineteen ninety-seven. We've had Jurassic Park was four years ago. Time to up the ante, bro. And they just like completely overestimated their competence um, in delivering these CGI visuals that just looked like shit through the entire movie. So can we talk about Spawn's costume? Because I feel like Mal Bolgia is like the ultimate example of what we're talking about right <laughs> Mal now. Mal Bolgia is. But Mal Bolgia is like, All right. I keep saying the PhD resistance. All I right. feel like we need to get to Mal Bolgia All right. sort of last. Let's talk about but the Spawn's costume. Spawn's costume works pretty well. You know, when, when, the, when the fucking necro flesh like peels back and looks you know. good or the knife the knife thing around his yeah. wrist like it looks like organic and real. i'm guessing like, that I was had, did a double take that was probably part of the 70 original visual effects shots. exactly ilm did the bulk of the work we'll get to it but a, they hired something like 22 i think different companies to do special effects for this wow. movie after ilm had done their work to round out the work because they were on a deadline like by the time you're doing test screenings you've got a date for this movie to be released in theaters. And if you're going to make changes, it has to happen fast. And we'll get to But anyway, Spawn's costume. I, I well, think then, there's, then there's that cape. And I feel I have a lot of mixed feelings about the cape. I have some cape. fondness for the cape. Because, you know, Todd McFarlane, uh, the, the creator of Spawn, the guy who drew Spawn originally, is known for these elaborate gothic designs. He originally drew Spider-Man. He was known for just drawing Spider-Man so exaggerated, exaggeratedly and just webs everywhere. And then he adapted that to Spawn by drawing the cape, just going everywhere and doing these insane fucking patterns. And I feel like if you take Spawn frame, Spawn the movie, frame by frame, there are individual frames where the cape captures that just kind of beautiful, like, aesthetic... You know, uh, it just—it doesn't make any sense by the laws of physics, but it looks beautiful. But it then, works. But then, the like for every frame like that, there are probably fifty where it's just like this amorphous CGI blob that's like, what is that thing doing? You know? Yeah, they just overestimated their competency a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've seen a lot of superhero movies, especially recent ones. I've seen all the Avengers. I've seen all the Guardians of the Galaxy. I've seen Iron Man. I've seen everything, and. I, you know, the one complaint I didn't have with Spawn was his costume and his cape. The cape was over the top, but I thought it was fascinating. And there's plenty of superhero costumes that are above the imagination, and I didn't think the cape was a problem. I, I actually thought, I enjoyed that. I thought that was fun. Whenever the cape came out, I was excited. Yeah. I was excited when he reeled it in. I thought, great. 
I thought I was fine with it. It was, it was interesting, and it was visually distinct. Yes, um, you know, yes. We it, haven't seen that before. That's not a common thing. It, it had a, it, it had some vision behind it. And you know what? Actually, the whole movie had some vision behind it. I'll give it that. Well, let, let's talk about this. If we're talking about the cape, I mean, the cape seems to be like... I joked about this earlier, but it's like a character in and of itself. It has a way of moving that seems almost independent of Spawn and at times protective of him. It's the proto-magic carpet from Aladdin. Is it the proto-Doctor Strange cape? <laughs> it came oh, out after it is. Magic but carpet. what are Spawn's powers? I, I oh, feel like that. That's oh, everything. <laughs> everything. everything. Just name it. Everything and also, like, nothing. Like, there are, like, things that I feel like he should be able to do in certain scenes that he can't. It's just. He can no be invisible. Well, it's like R2D2 when R2D2 flies in episode <laughs> whatever it is, two or three, I can't remember. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, wow, he never flew in four, five, six, or one. Now he can fly. It's the same with Spawn. Oh, now he can shoot rockets out of his chest? Great. Yeah, basically. And Why does he need guns? I mean, exactly. Spawn. Yeah, that's a good question. Spawn is kind of like Green Lantern. I mean, for the non right out there, Green Lantern can summon anything he wants out of his imagination. And Spawn is basically, when, it, when you boil it down, his powers are exactly the same. He yeah. can create whatever he wants with his mind, as Coleostro would tell that's, us. Col- this is explained in a scene by Coleostro. It's basically Obi-Wan a.k.a. Coleostro, takes Spawn into the alley, and he's like, Spawn, stop being such a bitch and open up your mind. <laughs> In the shortest training sequence of all time. Yeah, it takes the 30 shortest seconds. training montage He's like, I'm going to throw a bottle, and I want you to hit it with an arbitrary object that you spawn, get it, from your, from your quote. Is that why Spawn's called Spawn? No, he's the no, Spawn he's the of the devil. Spawn. Yeah, yeah all right. He's Satan Spawn. Chris, please. I'm trying yeah. to get... And, and Spawn tries to do that once and fails, and then the and second then he's time... Like, Focus nails your mind. it. No, Clovis was like, just think about it, and then he just nails it. Yeah, it's like okay. It's that easier. Can we have a Dagobah sequence here, that's please? That's what happens when you're Satan's kid. But yeah, compared to Green Lantern, though, because like, any, like, what can his suit produce? Because Green Lantern will fuck you up. Like, he can think of anything. And this guy seems to be limited to thinking of, like, chains. <laughs> what okay, else? well, you know what? We haven't seen Spawn 2, 3, 4, and 5. So just... Yeah, there was an expanded universe, but it hasn't been realized. <laughs> the Spawn cinematic so, universe. So what about what I really, really... Well, did we finish talking about Coleostra? Oh. Yeah, yeah, we're done with Coleostra. No, if you have something to say about Coleostra, go ahead. I have nothing to say about him. Oh, what okay, I never mind, then let's move on. Is the devil himself. Malbolgia. Are we ready for, to talk about Malbolgia? Let me ask a question about Malbolgia. Why does he have a mouth? Loved it. If he's not meant to speak with it. Loved it. <laughs> Loved it as well. <laughs> Malbolgia is with you. I hated it. You know, I'm so you obsessed can, with Malbolgia. <laughs> if you can CGI a cape to like cover a motorcycle and morph into God knows what... <laughs> You can make an animated creature's mouth move up and down. No, but here... Okay, so here's the thing. So Steve keeps talking about these many, many effects shots that they added, and it would seem to reason that Malibulja is one of those. So Mal... And, and we should explain. Let's contextualize. So Malibulja is... The devil. The devil. He's the, the devil. devil. He's Satan. And he shows up... Satan. He shows up in multiple scenes, and he's... Yelling. Just terribly CGI animated. He speaks, but, but he his, is his mouth... Hell. His jaws do not move. His tongue kind of like lazily flops around as he speaks. Uh, it's terrible CGI, but it's also kind of a beautiful thing. And it's but, horrifying. And it's, it's not horrifying. beautiful. What are you talking it's about? It's not beautiful. beautiful. I'll get back to that. I want to defend Malibulja. But okay, so it stands oh, to reason that Malibulja is, those Malibulja shots are among the shots that were added late in the game. But also it seems like Mal- Mal- Malibulja is such an important Saturday. character to to this movie <laughs> that he would have been among the original 70 shots so there is and there isn't an excuse for him being as terrible looking as maybe he they is. started off and they had like a puppet why Ooh. i was going to say that would be cool I, because there are some there is some puppetry in this movie there are scenes i actually think a lot of the stuff with the violator really works agree when it's agree the scenes where it's dark especially yeah. violator looks pretty good there's some kind of weird like digital tracking shots where it, like it doesn't match up but for the most part i think violator looks good the transformation scene it, looks it doesn't better. look good but it looks good for its if time if you cast your mind back to 1997 yeah. i don't remember what i thought some of, of us can do that others cannot <laughs> yeah you were what five <laughs> six yeah it has this weird kind of creative and it looks like a, a drawing on a notebook page kind of coming to life 
I loved it. I hated it because I wanted something better. But when you accept how bad it is, it's fantastic, really. I, I loved it because it was just such a bizarre looking creature. And, and we're talking about Violator. We should stress oh. that we're talking about Violator oh, and not Malvolta. <laughs> oh, you're talking about Malvolta. I'm still talking about Malvolta. Oh, I love Malvolta too. We'll get to that in a minute. I, I'm sick of talking about Violator. I'm Fuck sick of Violator. talking about the clown. I'm sick of talking about Johnny Legs. But wait, Steve was talking about Violator. Were right, you talking about right? Violator? Oh, yeah, I was. Somebody get me a beer. If we're really going to talk about <laughs> praise for Malvolta, I'm not kidding. Oh, get the man a beer. I'm baffled at this point. Patrick, since you first brought the idea, well, what do you like about Man Bullshit? Like, what, what do you feel like works about that? Uh, I mean, do we need to cut this? No, <laughs> no. Thank you, dear. Okay. You can cut it. Well, we're going to cut noise. it now that you said we're going to cut it. Cut. All right. We won't cut it. Anyway. So we're not cutting it. I should just keep going. Bring it home. So, I mean, Malabolgia, I So you ask what works about Malabolgia? Nothing. <laughs> Those scenes look terrible. <laughs> they oh, look yeah. so bad, they but that's terrible. why they're so good. But that's, that's why, why they're so amazing. good. Yeah, that's why it's so good. It looks like fucking clip art. It looks like something from like Tim no, and Eric. Listen. It looks like just the shittiest CGI imaginable. And at first I started to give it, you know, make excuses for it because of the time it came from. But then it, Chris really contextualized it when you said, what, Jurassic Park came out. Four, four years ahead. Four years ahead. They've done Jurassic, fuck out Jurassic of this Park movie. looks Cut. so much better. Jurassic Park looks so much better than this movie. And and Spawn looks terrible. But I love those scenes. They look they look insane. And I just smiled and laughed throughout them. They were extremely entertaining. I'll to give me. this movie I'll give any scene of this movie credit when there's like some like you know, artistic vision and like I just thought, I don't know, like Malbolgia, aka the devil, aka the grand villain of the the movie, looks. I you know this is the one time in this in this broadcast that I wish we were working in a visual medium so we could show him. But Google it. Uh, <laughs> please Google Malbolgia Spawn and see what we're just talking take about. a real close look at his hair. Especially. He's got like a <laughs> mohawk or something, and I mean it's like you know it's just a few stray hairs. I mean, also, oh no, it's a, it's a full no. head of hair. Just none of them move independently. I mean, Christopher, <laughs> I think that your take is inaccurate about him being the ultimate villain of this movie because he's not. He's really he's the a, puppet master. He's a supporting character. Right. That's true, but he is like the guy who Spawn goes and confronts. He's the, the end. ultimate villain. He pulls all the strings on everybody. I mean, it's the de- are you telling me the devil is not really the ultimate not- villain? <laughs> Satan is the ultimate villain, just by definition. I would say he's a, Satan is a supporting character. A supporting in Spawn. character, maybe in your yeah. life. Can we can we just sort of again to, to draw this back and give some context? Uh, let's describe. Uh, it's probably going to take all four of us to manage to make sense of this. Yes, the hell sequences. What they look like. I mean, first of all, in Ebert's review, um, look up the video, read his review. He thought it was great. He refers to it as being reminiscent of Hieronymus Bosch. Okay. Hieronymus Bosch. Hieronymus Bosch. Hieronymus Bosch. Hieronymus Bosch. It's a difficult name to say. Come on, say it. Okay, yeah. Fast. Um, he Bosch. thought that the art direction was inspired, and I'm baffled. That's why I feel like he, he must have been bought off or something. It makes no sense. I mean, these are clearly, in 1997, as a kid, I was like, these scenes don't work. This looks like a, worse than like a PlayStation cutscene. No, exactly. No, That's what, what it is. They listen. were PlayStation 1 graphics. That was what I thought. That's what I... Uh, PlayStation what? 1 graphics. I liked what what Chris said a minute ago really struck me because you said something about artistic vision. I, I forget exactly what you said, but those scenes have vision. They have vision, which is more they than you can say for a lot of They don't execute on the vision. They don't execute on the vision, but they have vision, and I like that. It's Look, like if Listeners, you had, listen. If you have seen... The Lion King. Picture of the hyena scene. Mm-hmm. When it's like... Yeah. With Scar. And yeah. they're all the hyenas are on the rocks. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. And picture that with red light instead of green light. You can picture the Malbolgia scene. Reimagined as a cutscene from Twisted Metal. Yeah. yeah. I think. So that's what we're <laughs> working we with here. And Lion King was better animated. So now you know what we're talking about. What's bizarre is in, in the hell sequences, there's like no depth of field. There's just fire everywhere. Yeah. The there are presumably well, there there's like a million rocks, hell soldiers. Which everywhere. are just the same yeah. actor 
This in, you in different it. poses played forward and backward repeatedly. Yeah, like well, that's fine though. That's not important. Like, did I? I didn't. I wasn't focusing on like the actors moving. Yeah, it looks bad, but you I know, mean, I couldn't help but notice it. It just. I, it, what if? What if I said that judging a movie like this for its graphics is at, only as legitimate as judging a video game for its graphics? All right. Well, I, I, I think if we're talking about a movie from 1997, sure. But there are things in this movie that look great in these scenes, which are pivotal. Look exceptionally bad. Yeah, they Agreed. are noticeably they, they are noticeably, noticeably worse bad. in quality from the rest of the movie. But I right. still love them. They're still some of my favorite scenes in the movie. Like when you have like John Leguizamo being picked up by Malabolja, and the, it's it's so shitty, but also just it's really funny. And also, I don't know. I I I enjoyed the artistic vision, and I also laughed at it. Artistic vision. This is ridiculous. Well, <laughs> there was listen, vision behind it. There was vision behind it, but you know, I think the lesson to take away is the lesson that we take away from uh, Dirty Harry and Magnum Force, which is a man <coughs> or a studio in this case has to know his limitations. Briggs, you got to know your limitations, and the effects house did not know their limitations, and that undid the visual look of Spawn. Well, the hell sequences, I can tell you this for a fact, makes a little more sense. Yeah, is there some this. background on so, this? Uh, a little bit. And I, I wish I'd done more research on the company that actually did this and, and found out exactly what happened. So, again, there were the test screenings. They had to add, felt they needed to add a number of effects sequences. New Line gave them some more money. So the hell sequences were entirely done by one company, Santa Barbara Studios. And these were done after the fact, after the test screening. I believe so. Okay. They were they had to have been because they were delivered two weeks before the release date for the movie. This and I think at this so point, much more sense at now. this point, they were just like, "Oh fuck it, well that's what we got. Guess we have to roll with yeah. it." Like these are scenes that, like, I, apparently, the company that was working on the Santa Barbara Studios also, I think, in the same year was working on another notoriously bad CG film. You guys might not be familiar with an American Werewolf in Paris. Hmm. Fun. Which, Google it has. Some of the worst effects in history, especially considering its lineage, right? Yeah, yeah. Werewolf in London is like a masterful film with practical effects, one of the greatest werewolf transitions ever. I think we'll they get replicate there. that scene entirely in CGI. Is that on Netflix? I think it's on Netflix. I Four years it's not. Um, but I think it probably <laughs> will be again this fall. It has been in the past. Um, I hope we get there. It begins with A, so it'll yeah. be early on the list. It'll be early on. Oh, on American. Hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, they delivered two weeks before release date, so no time to change anything. Hmm. That makes so much more sense now. That that's why his mouth doesn't move. Yeah, I feel like they. But is that really the thing that you sacrifice? <laughs> yeah, the mouth movement. Yeah, because you. Ha- I mean, because you have to animate the basic movement of the character. I would prefer his arms stay l- still and his mouth move than. It would probably. Take, I mean, actually, to take, be fair, his arms don't move that much either. It's kind of he just, just he's kind there. Of they just like creating the creature, and then they were like, "Fuck it, he can't really do I anything." I feel like else. I could have done that in Microsoft. His tongue Paint can in like, like kind of undulate a little bit. His tongue undulates. Hundreds, hundreds of hours of rendering per frame to make his mouth move. They would have never met the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's our overall conclusion? Yeah, Patrick, would you recommend Spawn? To a friend. You know what? I kind of oh, would. fuck you. I know. You know what? You're a bad friend. That's fine. You know what? I'm, I'm good with being the lone wolf qualify here. Which that. I feel like I mean, I'm, I'm about to qualify okay. it. I'm, I'm, good, I'm good with being the lone wolf here. Um, there are a lot of things I enjoyed about the movie. You know? I love Nella Bolgia. I would recommend it to anyone just solely on the basis of those hell sequences and Mal Bolgia. It's a weird fucking movie. And... I, I love that it does have some kind of, you know, artistic vision, as we talked about it. It's not necessarily well executed upon, but it's probably better than, I'm going to guess, we're just at the outset of this project, but I'm going to guess it's better than probably 85% of the movies we're about to watch that's as a, we watch every horror movie on Netflix. That's a bold statement. Oh. Um, but you know what? That is a good point because sometimes there can be a movie that, you know, I'm not going to say a bad movie, but a movie that doesn't work as well as it sought to. And, um, but that movie might have a few, you know, memorable moments, iconic moments, things that are going to stay with you and things that you want to share with your friends. So I understand. Whether or not yeah. you want them to. So I, mean, I, there I understand the, the recommendation. I mean, there were multiple moments in this movie that just delighted me where I laughed out loud and was like, oh my God, what the fuck? You know, I mean, whether that was because it was actually objectively good or bad, I don't know. But I, I got a lot, I derived a lot of enjoyment from this movie. Elizabeth, would you recommend? 
Spawn. Um, I would not, in good conscience, recommend Spawn to anybody. However, I do feel closer to all three of you, knowing that we've all watched Spawn and can now make related jokes about Spawn. I think that if you would like to get drunk with your significant other, I would recommend pouring yourself a tall glass of whiskey. Watching Spawn and appreciating it for what it is, which oh, is... why didn't we have whiskey? A terrible movie with some good elements. Um, but if you are not really interested in that, I yeah, I, I don't think you need to watch Spawn. You could just listen to this and, and, and call it good. Listen to this, look up some pictures on Google Images. Just Google Malbosia and you feel like you watched Spawn. Wait, so was that a yay or nay in the end? Yeah, this is a, pa- pass-fail. Uh, this is a fail. Okay, I'm okay. going with fail. Okay. Stephen, pass or fail? Fail. Um, I mean, I've I've seen it probably five times at this point. How did you see it five times? Five times. 1997, 1999. I saw it in 97. I'm sure that even though I thought I had mixed feelings as a child seeing it, I'm sure I had it on VHS. Probably about five times, I think, in my life I've seen this movie. This is the first time, obviously, in many, many years. It made me deeply uncomfortable. It's really difficult to look at. I didn't really feel like it was that fun, though. I did watch it alone. I think if I was going to recommend a substance to consume when watching this movie, I'd say get high and watch Spawn. I'm sure it's a lot of fun. But if you're just sitting alone and, like, having a beer, it's... It's gross. It made me feel disgusting. I see a lot of wasted potential on one hand, but also feel like the source material itself is pretty juvenile. Just read okay, the comics. Okay, wait a minute, though. Just read the comics. Out of the five times, each time, how do you think you graded it, each of the five? Uh, What's the best time you had watching it? No, 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 best time the I had five. Watched, no, I Pass think or fail right. each of the five times. I say fail every time. I have to give it a fail, and you know what? I'm going to give that fail with prejudice. Um... <laughs> Uh, There's nothing like a fail with prejudice. You know, it's it's I I always want to see the good in a movie, but a movie that is just so visually offensive and like aggressive and just bothers me from start to finish. Oh yeah, and has that clown in it. I just cannot <clears throat> give any. I, the only thing I will say, I would only recommend it to a diehard John Leguizamo fan because it is a John Leguizamo tour de force. Double features Super Mario Brothers and Spawn, I think. It's ideal night for that guy. Before we end, I'd like to say, I'd like to ask everyone, if you guys don't mind, if you had to say your favorite part of Spawn, what would it be? Steven? Oh, I've got to think about that. Okay. Anybody else? Did anything jump to mind? Patrick? Oh, absolutely. Every single fucking scene in hell. Every fucking scene with Malabolgia. Malabolgia is bay. Okay. Hands down. I'm going to play it low key. Uh, my favorite scene, the one that sticks out to me, was um, there's a scene about midway through where Spawn has a quiet moment with his daughter in like a gym. There's like something yep. going on. Yep. Yep. She finds him, and it's like. A, Which is inexplicable. Why is he in the gym? I don't care. It worked there? because it was a quiet moment. She got away, and like they bonded, and she didn't care that he had a roast beef face, and like, you know, they were bonding and stuff, and it was short lived, but it was it was one of the only real human moments in the movie. Real tearjerker, yeah. Um, I think my favorite scene, uh, not so much of a scene as a, a moment. We didn't really talk about the the editing or the wipes in this movie. Uh, Huge oversight. There's one, and I mean, maybe somebody else can help elucidate this for me further because it's been a it's been a bit since I've seen it. Oh, it's I been will. Three weeks. There's I know a scene with Coliostro that. It's very Tim and Eric. Like, the frame decompresses gradually into a sort of gothic crucifix, then moves from right to left across the screen and plants itself on top of a building that does not have a steeple. Yep. (laughs) It's the greatest wipe of all time. George Lucas weeps. My mouth was agape. Hundreds. I paused and watched it again immediately. Hundreds of hours rendering that. In, I don't know about hundreds. They said, hundreds. are we going to do this wipe or are we going to make Mel Bolger's mouth move? And there are tons of killer wipes like that. Like, I mean, like the screen just burns from left to right mm-hmm. at, at multiple junctures. They're amazing. I mean, the movie is worth it. Worthwhile. All right. For those you know, I, I double back. Opinion. Watch Spawn. If you've never seen Spawn, you know nothing about it. Watch Spawn. It's 90 minutes. You will regret it. You just changed your opinion to a pass, I think. But I did change to a pass. Oh, shit. You, you, but tied. I'm saying it, it's a pass that's going to lead to someone else's fail. Um, <laughs> all right. You will regret watching Spawn, but I, I think it is worth seeing because it is truly unique, I think, as a superhero film. Also, we haven't even talked about that it's a black superhero movie. Not the first. 
right? Uh, Steel came first with Shaquille O'Neal, but I think it's like fairly interesting that in 1997, but he was a superhero before they made a superhero movie about him. Well, Elizabeth, what was your favorite part of Spawn the movie? My favorite part of Spawn was the cape. I mean, you don't see superhero parts in many other movies that just absolutely completely not only go against the laws of gravity but just don't even match with the superhero and just command so much attention i I mean he was not like it's like his cape was a second superhero it's like he was there and then his cape was somewhere else it takes up most of the frame when it's around yeah and they give so much time to it too i mean he lands and then the cape flutters around him for second i mean even just in the final frame where he's like awkwardly perched atop that steeple that like seems to be kind of going up his nether regions but the cape is just like chilling so chris as the creator of this podcast uh what do you what's next what are we gonna watch next well we're gonna get into horror for real the strategy of this podcast is that with some exceptions we're gonna watch every movie on netflix in alphabetical order what i mean by some exceptions is if there's you know a sequel that we run into and the prequel is available but somehow farther down the alphabet we will watch the prequel first you know if there's a seasonal movie maybe we'll watch that in season um if there's a super exciting movie that makes it on maybe we'll watch that if there's a movie that's about to leave that we really want to cover we'll watch that um but we're gonna go a to z which means our next episode will be we will be reviewing wreck four now you say but wreck starts with an r and i would say you're right yeah you're right but it has square brackets around it, so they're cheating, so it's first in the alphabet. So we're going to watch Rec 4, Found Footage Terror. It's going to be a great time. Please join us then. Uh, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris Slatt. I'm Patrick Dunn. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Steven Sonoris. And thanks for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed learning about Spawn the movie.